Hey there, folks. What do you know? We are back once again. It's the Uticast, episode 170. I love round numbers. 170. Welcome back, folks. Joining us this week for the first time ever, J.D. Smith from Modus, and for the second time ever, Vincent Petronio, also from Modus. Chefs and owners, uh, we're here to talk about their one year-ish of being open in business, how they feel, their thoughts, their expectations, uh, working together, all sorts of fun restaurant stuff. Also this week, we're going to talk about uh, Barks and Brews that happened this weekend. Good times. We're going to talk about my terrible Taco Bell experience. A little bit of politics stuff, a little bit of history stuff, a little bit of wild news, uh, maybe some sports stuff. Who knows? All of this, much more, folks. We are happy, as always, to have you here. Oh, yes. not the part where I do that. Hello, welcome back, welcome back. We're back, folks. It's the Uticast, episode 170. Uh, I am your host, producer, man about town, Sam Pamelaro. Joining me as always... Are you back about town? Oh, not right now, I'm not. No, I'm in grad school life. I'm not going to see a town for like another eight weeks. Uh, Joining me as always, Heather Waz, what's up? What's up? Nice to see you uh, two days in a row. Yeah. I saw you yesterday, didn't yeah. I? It feels like a long I time ago. I saw twice, too. Two days in a row, yeah. We painted together last Tuesday, the day after the show. That's yeah. true. We painted an entire container down in Hancheck City. Yeah. Quickly, too. We worked yeah, very we well together. Best. From it's being big and tall, it works really well as a team. You know, because she's down there on the ground, I'm up there at the top. Yep. It's operating. It's almost like we're, like, real friends and not just people who work oh, on I a know. podcast together. I like that. Weird. I was like, Weird hi. Weird stuff. <laughs> I see you and I sit there I'm like I don't know what to talk to you about I, I don't well I don't know how long we can be friends because you were just talking about how you're excited for pumpkin spice season you don't care that it's basic you love pumpkin everything I do I don't want to and so you're going to do what end the friendship I because of that <laughs> I'm done I'm done uh, His no, speaks done with this I'm guy. Sorry. <laughs> I, I thought the pumpkin spice was a thing that we weren't really talking about anymore. not we you and I think people us. aren't admitting no, it now we're talking about how we're not talking about it yeah Oh, is that, is that it's the, not actually gone. Yeah, yeah. No, people are still drinking. All right, so let me throw this out here. Why pumpkin spice, not gingerbread? Is gingerbread worse? Gingerbread is Christmas. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Pumpkins You'll come see. Out, oh, you just... buddy, gingerbread will be here. Give I it thought, another two I months. I thought like peppermint or the minty peppermint also, kind yeah. of stuff is yeah. Christmassy. Yeah. You get that as well. Is there a Halloween thing? No. I guess pumpkin, pumpkin spice. Yeah, yeah, pumpkin spice. Yeah. Pumpkin. Candy corn. Candy yeah. corn yeah. coffee. Uh,. I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kick a pumpkin spice latte out of bed if you gave it to me. It's not like, it's no, that, it it's not spill. offensive. No, it's true, it's it still all over the floor. It. Uh, <laughs> the fall equinox happened this week, we're now officially in the throes of mm-hmm. fall. Kevin, you've said for many years that this is the best time of year. Do you stand behind your... your well, of course day? I do, everybody, you it, know, and I, yeah, I have been, I'm glad you said that, because I've been saying it for years and years, long years. before everybody else figured it out as well. My oh, birthday is in the fall. I've always liked October. Oh, what a great winter. Yeah, see... See? It's great. So, yeah, I've always enjoyed fall. I'm glad it's here. I'm glad mm-hmm. October's approaching. September, October into November is probably my favorite time of the year. Mm-hmm. Very strong. Good, especially up here. I think it's, it's for sure. This is like weather's changing, yeah. everything's nights are getting cooler. You it's live by it's the all right. and it's gorgeous up there. I can imagine. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, Heather. I don't know. 
I have a Taco Bell story for you. Oh. I have a stock, Taco Bell story for you this week. So, you'll... Uh, oh, all right. You guys seen the commercials? I mean, not you two. I mean the people out there in the world. You guys seen the commercials Taco Bell's got for this $2 steak and egg breakfast stacker? It's just like a quesadilla that they fold up into a oh, little stack okay. and you eat it for breakfast. It? Was it good? So I got it a couple days ago. <laughs> just take the ride. Okay. Just take it. the ride. It was good. It was all right. I dug it. Okay. I dug it so much that the next day when uh, Kevin had to mm-hmm. go to work, I gave him a ride down to work. Mm-hmm. And I was telling him about the steak and egg stacker from Taco Bell. $2 okay. steak and egg stacker. I do not work for them. They do not give us any money yet. Taco Bell, please give us money. Uh, I go back to Taco Bell after I, because now I'm talking about it. And I'm like, oh, God, it's in my head. So I go to Taco Bell. I order a stacker and a grilled breakfast burrito. And then I go home. I already made coffee before I left, so there's fresh coffee. I pour the coffee. I sit down at the table. I pour out my food. And they gave me three regular crunchy tacos. <laughs> Not what I wanted. It was someone else's order. I was so excited. At 10 o'clock in 10 the morning. 10 o'clock in the morning, I have three crunchy tacos. I'd be so mad. Two of them were supreme, which means they had sour cream and also tomatoes, which apparently makes things supreme. <laughs> what I want to know is who ordered those, like, so, okay, so you got the wrong order. Who's out here at 10 o'clock in the morning ordering supreme crunchy tacos? Behind you. Is that you? You're, yeah, did you get my steak and egg wrap? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and I couldn't go back to Taco Bell because now breakfast is already over. So it's not like they're going to be like, oh, sorry, here, let me... Fry you up some fresh eggs for your two dollar <laughs> stack, or that's not happening. It's a lot. Some news for you about the eggs, anyway. <laughs> well, it's true. I'm pretty sure they're just like the meat's not meat. So. That's true. I've heard no, that it's meat. They use soy in there, like a soy thing. It's probably isn't that healthier for you? Yeah, People like soy. Yeah, it's true. Soy boys. That's what they call me on the mm. internet. Okay. Uh, all right, and I just want to say this. Uh, I I saw a lot of people talking on the internet. So I put up a poll this week about last week, Sarah Foster, our guest last week, was talking about how she's never seen Friends. She's in the process of watching Friends. I actually, I heard I heard some guff about this on last week's show this week when I was out about in the town as well, so go ahead. Yeah, she'd never, she's watching Friends for the first time, and I wanted to get her opinion on something, but I was like, no, you know what, I don't want to, like, I legitimately don't want to spoil Friends for you. Like, so, but we, I sort of made a joke that was like, when you finish Friends, come back, and we'll do... A friends centric episode. We'll like talk. We'll do a whole friends episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, people seem to like that on the internet. They seem to be pleased with the idea of us doing a friends centric episode. So maybe, maybe we'll do a whole friends episode once. Sarah I Foster ran into it. I ran into uh, Amy Smith this weekend oh, yeah, of she's... Ken and Amy, <laughs> and she says that she cannot be beat in Friends trivia. She cannot be got. I think. We and she that. says she will dominate anybody that wants to be a part of anything friends related that goes on. And Any, Ken says she can do it. Anyone who's that... Like a quiz, like a game show. A game show. We should Friends. play the game... Yeah. There's that episode of Friends where they play the trivia game. So maybe we should just copy that I episode like of the that. show. Which is a classic episode. Go watch it. Uh, all right. That's all the... Um, that's all the side work that I have before we get into the top stories. I have a ton of school work to do on Wednesday, so I'm very stressed out. I can't tell mm. you. I can't even begin to tell you. Uh... Also, Barks and Brews happened this weekend. Heather, great job with all your work getting vendors oh, out there cool. for Barks and Brews. It was a great <laughs> event. Uh, I thought, actually, you know, the dogs, that's a big hit. You got to do more believe. dog-centric events. How many dogs? I didn't get to go because I, um, I was working that day. How many dogs do you think were down there God, throughout the day? I don't even know, like 100. Yeah? I'm not even kidding. That's it was. Amazing. I've never seen so many dogs in one spot. 
And it's funny with with the vendors too because we've been hard. It's been hard to get them until the very end. And after this event, now emails are just coming in to me. Oh yeah. When is there an event? When is this? Mm -hmm. Send me this information. Yeah. It was insane. But the dogs were there were so many. Well, I think cooler heads have always known that it would have had to be proven. A couple times before people start getting it. You know what I mean? I thought. I think dogs is the hack. Yeah. If you add dog event onto something, people mm-hmm. come out. You know why? They're desperate. For, it's like kids. No, I was just going to say yeah. that. It's just like kids. Yeah, they're desperate for things to do with their children yeah. and their pets. Yep. Even if it's, I don't even know that. Well, even more so, there's not a ton of places you can bring the dog. You know what well, I mean? Like, and it's and a, people love their dogs. You throw beer in there and you it's make true. everybody happy. Yeah, everybody can just hang out well, with yeah. everything. Except for those people who claim that all our events are just only about drinking and that we're a bad influence. You see those people on the internet? I would ignore people. them. No, I don't look at folks like that. Right. They're just silly. Uh, speaking of people who I try to ignore who are very silly, uh, <laughs> I've been unable to avoid uh, our topic of conversation for our first section. Claudia Tinney, she's been all over local... Because I've been watching football on, on Sundays and, and watching sports on the weekend. A lot of attack ads out there. Claudia's really leaning into these attack ads. and uh, Her supporters, so... <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot. It, well, it's, it's weird. Like I did see one Anthony Brindisi ad that was, like, talking about not going for, like, uh, aggressive, like, uh, takedown ads, <laughs> pretty mm-hmm. much. But she is out-advertising it, if I'm looking at it she's, from, like, a watching it on TV perspective. She's scrimping and scraping right now. You also, you also got to think about uh, what you're watching. It's true. It was oh, football, yeah, middle football. of the day. I guess you know that's a good I mean? point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she probably is. I've got, I, I mean, they're they're obviously, you know, there's a lot of gross stuff and they're misrepresenting a lot of stuff. And you know, she's obviously, you know, a known fraud and liar. Um, something that I've become curious about talking about, you know, the, these ads and advertisements in election season with the Congress race. Um, I don't know if you guys drive through Whitesboro ever. But next time you're mm-hmm. driving through Whitesboro, in and out of Whitesboro, yep. especially on the boulevard going into Whitesboro under the bridge before you get to the middle school... You'll notice on a lot of corners where there's on-ramps and off-ramps on the road and on the highway parts, there's tons of Claudia yeah. Tenney yep. signs in there. Yep. And my question is, who owns that land? Because that land does not appear to be privately owned. And if that's owned by the town or by the state yeah, or by legal. anything like that, then she can't put those out there. And it makes me wonder if it's just one of those things she's putting them there, figuring, I don't know what they'll say anything if they do. I'll just be like, I didn't know. But it seemed oh, yeah. pretty gross. And I noticed it everywhere in Whitesboro today. Yeah. You know, and 842. Uh-huh. Yeah, all those places like, out there. signs on 840. I'm like, is that legal? Who, well, who just and, who owns the land? That's yeah. all I want to know is who owns this land that these are put up on. I want to say that the OD wrote an article about this a couple weeks ago that mm-hmm. that's illegal. Like you're, it, it's, that's what I thought. Yeah, it is. Should, we should do a duty and take them down. Take them down. <laughs> Not until we know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, Claudia, was back out doing her old song and dance about uh, about Anthony Bredisi's family, mm. calling them thuggish criminals, and saying that she was concerned, sending memos to her staff not to go out at night alone, mm. be wary of strange cars. Be alert whether you're being followed and examine your locks for tampering. What a ridiculous person. Yeah, I didn't want to get what into that. What a preposterous, that. just ridiculous, ridiculous person. Uh, I, if you've ever, and look, I'm not even saying that, like, even if you've never met Anthony Brindisi, <laughs> like, go back and listen to any of the interviews that I've done with him on this show and tell me if you think he's the kind of guy who's coming to tamper with your locks. I just... I, I, I don't... I, well, I guess it wouldn't be him, according to her. It would be him paying off his thuggish right, brutes. His criminal, his his, criminal Sicilian associates. Yes. What about all her criminals that like are working for the government now, though, that she's associated with? Uh, That's kind of the same thing, I'm more, isn't it? I'm more scared of them than I am of uh, Anthony Brindisi. Uh. <laughs> uh, 
I will say there were uh, I did see one joke uh, on the internet about this, which was Bill Keeler. And I'll give it up to oh. Bill Keeler on t- <laughs> Bill Keeler on Twitter. Low flying helicopters over yes. Utica Rome in the Valley. Not sure why. I guess they be, could be protecting Claudia Tinney from her opponent, Anthony Brindisi. That was hysterical. Uh, I replied back to him, I was like, it's like stupid goodfellas. It's like that scene where Henry Hill's like, There's planes, I heard the helicopters over my head, I'm seeing them. Yeah, I, that's that's all I could think of all day long, so yeah. Uh, man, thank God that national politics isn't this crazy. Oh, wait! I was wrong. <laughs> we talked about Brett Kavanaugh a little bit last week. Uh, sort of. I didn't talk about it because I didn't know. I thought we'd talk more about it this week. Uh, and then even this week, I feel like we're sort of at a loss to talk about it because there's so much that's sort of happening. Uh, let me start here. A week and a half ago, Every, like, publication I was reading, even, like, the left-leaning ones that I get, you know, told that I go to too often, all seemed to be pretty sure that Kavanaugh was going to get nominated, like, regardless of all this stuff. And now, a week and a half later, it seems much murkier. Uh, there's a second allegation today of a, uh, of a person who was sexually assaulted in college or, uh, say it was still college, uh, that the GOP reportedly knew about beforehand and did not report. So that's ugly. Uh, Rod Rosenstein probably going to be fired by the time this podcast is over, which has, no. you don't think so? Not by then, no. Uh, no. I mean, they said, they both went on TV today and said and cleared all that up. That was the, this morning. He's meeting with the president on Thursday. Um, and then the people came out and said that they did it as to try to be a bit of a distraction from this Kavanaugh thing because of now the, I think, what, third and fourth allegations that have come out, like, since today, that yeah. uh, that Evanetti is representing these new people yeah. now that are coming with all this extra stuff. Uh, worst take of the day was Kelly A. Conway. <laughs> At least he's better than Harvey Weinstein. I can't. I'm like, all right. I just... Harvey Weinstein, not a politician, that, mind that, you. That comes down to the heart of it, where it's like, you know, I, I, that, that really goes to, to hold up the hypocrisy, where it's like, you know, these people are foaming at the mouth about Harvey Weinstein and about Al Franken and about whoever it is, and it's so transparently hypocritical that, like, it's insane that that anybody could possibly listen and not just see it for what it is. It's wild. Let me ask you this question. At this point in time, and I know that I already have an idea of why they won't do it, wouldn't it just be easier to pick somebody else if you're the Republicans? Wouldn't it just be easier to say, like, all right, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll nominate somebody else? I feel like it would be. I feel like it would be at a certain point in time for them to do it. I just don't think they want to give the impression of, like, we made a mistake and we nominated they're not this gonna, They're not going to go against Trump. Yeah, that's the problem. They're not going to go against the The insane wing of their base that they've cultivated over the last 30 years, these hardcore Trump people have now got them hostage with a gun to their head. They can't go against Trump because these people will turn on them. But, yeah. you know, to, in order to keep going with him is to descend to madness. Yeah. I've also read an article that a lot of evangelicals, like... Like a lot of evangelical Christians really like Kavanaugh, they love and him. that's sort of the thing that if Trump doesn't get this Kavanaugh thing through, they're not going to come to the polls in November. So there's yeah. a lot of yeah, it just see it seems it's all very murky. Ah, the whole thing is it's like a big gross stew. It's a movie. <laughs> you wouldn't believe real. it though if it was a movie, would you? Like you'd no, watch it and be like, "This is this like is never happened." In people real would life. talk shit about it if it was a movie or a TV show. Yeah. Like, Unrealistic. This, is, this isn't even believable. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? storytelling <laughs> what else do I have on here this week I guess there are some other stories of the week let me see what else we have here uh, uh, this is more Trump stuff God, there's so much Trump stuff oh yeah uh, Bill Cosby 
on trial at the moment. He's going to get sentenced either today or tomorrow. So we'll I think find it's like that. ten months or to up to thirty years or something like that. He's a had, pretty broad number. That is no, months. that's what they said or something crazy. Like I don't 10, even, ten months is ten. I don't even know. Could you put? You can't even put Bill Cosby in with like the general population, though. I don't think. And no. Yeah, he'd still have to go to like like a minimum security. I think he's like, way too old. He's very old. He's like no, yeah. he's going to get like ten months. Then he's going to get is an ankle bracelet. And is then he's he all home. the way blind? He's he was close to blind. He's close to blind. Like, he's yeah. like fucked up and infirm at this point. Like they could, yeah, they couldn't just throw him in a jail cell. He's a, he's going to appeal whatever they do anyway. Mm-hmm. So I guess the thing is just appeal until. You're too old. and he is to, too old. I mean, he's already kind of too old. Uh, I mean, that's it. The rest of the news this week is about, like, Iran and tariffs to China. I feel like I don't, I don't know. I don't care about talking about that. Uh, oh, I want to say one story. Uh, you know how I always talk about, like, sometimes we hear stories that happen early in the week, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a good one for the podcast. And then by the time it comes around, it's not, like, relevant anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that story was this week was Stormy Daniels comparing the president's general to a video game character from Mario Kart. Yeah. That happened six days ago. And now uh, I thought I really was sure that was going to be, like, a bigger story by the time we got to it this week. No, it much... blew up quick, though. It like, did blow Really quick. And then it died that day. Too much other stuff's <laughs> happening. It just died. I mean, it's... Too, it... much, too much real stuff. Yeah, too much real stuff happened. So that was the story that got away from us this week. So there you go. Uh, all right, no more of that. Let's get to this week's interview uh, with first-time guest J.D. Smith and second-time guest Vincent Petronio, the head chef's owners of Modus on 234 Genesee Street. Uh, good friends. We used to work together when we were all at Taylor and the Cook. Uh, they've struck out on their own to open their own place. It was great to talk to them about uh, their first sort of year being open, uh, what they learned, what they've done differently. Uh, a lot of got a lot of conversation about like the hospitality industry. I'm telling you, you can't you can take the waiter out of the industry, but you can't take the industry out of the waiter. I'll tell you, some of the I'm still cynical. I still have a lot of feelings about waiting tables and food. So we have a nice conversation with them. Check them out, boys from Modus. Back to the show in just a moment. Thanks for coming into the studio, boys. I really appreciate it. I love the the matching gear. I guess I should have thought you guys. I didn't know you guys were coming directly from the restaurant. Sometimes we don't realize we're wearing matching. <laughs> you know, people think we're a couple, which is okay. But you know, I don't want to get into general restaurant discussion just yet because I have a section set aside yep. for that. But I do. I realized this when I was working in New York. I was working in the the Times Square restaurant, the big mm-hmm. touristy Times Square restaurant I worked at down there. It was about a year into that job. When I realized that I didn't have any clothes, I had like work clothes, which were like a white dress shirt and black pants, and then whatever garbage I would wear around the house, like uh, shorts or like yep. sweatpants. Yep. But if I had to go out somewhere in the world, I was like, I don't own anything. This is all I have is just like a bunch of t shirts and 19 white professional yep. dress shirts. Um, I guess, though, I appreciate that you guys went with like 
a, like a, a particular style with the Columbia's mm-hmm. and a logo on it and mm-hmm. not just be like, everyone wear black t-shirts. Right. Wear... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There's only so much that you can do for waiters and waitresses and staff at restaurants too in terms of like uniform, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get too fancy with it. Yeah. Become... <laughs> yeah, we tried to avoid like all black server yeah. uniforms. Sure. Uh, we have a nice like light blue, light I guess, blue. kind of good. Oxford. Yeah. Uh, we kind of button it up or kind of roll up the sleeves, kind mm. of button around that area. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. I, uh, I, yeah, that was always my, when I was working in the industry, I'd always say that to, like, my other waiter folks, right? I'm like, that's going to be my, my side gig afterwards. Yeah. I'm going to start a business selling, like, upscale waiter's clothes. Like, mm-hmm. white dress shirts that actually fit correctly, and then I'm, like, <laughs> popping out the sides of your pants looking like a schlub. Huh. Uh, so, folks, if you, uh, I may not have introduced them, of course not, uh, because I just started talking. We have joining us J.D. Smith and the returning uh, Vincent Petronio uh, of Modus. I don't know. Is there a longer time? Let's call it Modus. Is it a gastro pub? Just calling it Modus. Just Modus. Just Modus. Just Modus. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love the logo. I love the aesthetic. I love everything you guys are doing uh, with the restaurant. And I do want to get into a lot of that stuff with you. But I'd like to, to talk to JD a little bit first. Because, Vincent, mm-hmm. you've been on the show before. Yes. Um, 114 episodes ago. It was a long time. <laughs> yeah. You were on, uh, I guess that would make you episode like 56, I think. So very early on within our first year of the show. Uh, so, folks, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, we'll probably do a little more background with Vincent from that. We'll, we'll skip past a lot of that stuff with you. Uh, but, J.D., I want to talk a little bit to you uh, because you are a newbie to our show. Welcome. I'm Welcome. a newbie. I did a little bit of my professional journalistic research, which I'm known to do before people mm-hmm. come in, and I've learned that you were born and raised in Verona? Yes. Very good. Very good. And you went to BVS? Yes. What was, uh, were you a solo child, family, sisters, brothers? I was one of three, the youngest. One of three. Youngest, ah, yes. just like me. Yes. Just like me. Uh, sisters, brothers? One uh, of two brothers. Two brothers. Well, youngest boy. Yes. That's the t- yes. <laughs> toughest thing. <laughs> yes. Are you still close to your brothers? Uh, my brother Kelly passed. Oh, I'm um, sorry to hear that. No, it's okay. About 12 years ago. And my brother Chad, I'm still very close with. Good. And he's about five or six years older than mm-hmm. me. He actually mm-hmm. comes and helps us at the restaurant. Sometimes. Oh, nice. Nice. Your family's still in Verona for the most part? Or still? Yep. Uh, I actually own the... The neighboring house to the house oh, that nice. I grew up in. So. <laughs> oh, so you're driving in from Brown every day too. Yes. You like it? You never thought about moving closer with the restaurant being here? Never All the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have I have four dogs and two kids. Oh yeah, yeah. They really appreciate being out, you know, off the beaten path a little bit. I like that you went with the dogs first. <laughs> have four dogs and then four, also four some dogs, kids. a cat, uh, two cats, and uh, a couple kids. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, because I always think about that when I used to work. I used to work Ariskany, I think, was the longest place I worked away from Utica when I was living here. I think after about four weeks, I was like, ah, okay, I'm, I'm getting a little tired. Yes. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you this, though, because uh, after, well, I want to get to VVS a little bit. I always ask people a little bit about what their high school experience was like. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy going to school in VVS? Did you I like that VBS. sort of, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's much bigger than a lot of other schools. Yes. But there was such a mix mm. of people. You what know, there's. Yeah, there was the farmers, you know, yeah. there was the football players, and, mm. you know, there was, uh, I guess, the nerds, what you the would call them. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I, would, I knew those guys a lot. Yeah. Yes, me too. And I would kind of <laughs> fit in right in between all of those and just kind of skate. You know what? That's a good spot to be in, though, because yeah. I was, like, a musical theater guy, but I also, like, failed at a lot of sports. Like, I was bad at cross country and mm-hmm. bad at lacrosse, but I played the sports, and I knew right. a lot of those guys, so I was able to, like, sort of jump mm-hmm. around between sort of, like, social groups. Yep. I think that's kind of the way to do it, if, you're, if you have an option, yep. right? Uh, I also, I'll say, you're a, you're, you're a pretty burly guy. I can see you playing yes. some football for VVS. I, was, I can see I you. was the wrestler who played Dungeons oh, & Dragons. So that, if that tells you anything, I, I didn't like junior high. 
Nice. And then, uh, you know, once once high school hit, I was kind of more of a, I guess, I guess more of a nerdy guy. Nerdy guy. <laughs> well, I always say it because, like, I grew up, like, as you mentioned, you made fun of my Hulk Hogan uh, thing when you guys were coming in here, <laughs> my Hulk Hogan, but I'm a big wrestling guy, but I always <laughs> laugh, like, like, in Utica school systems, there were no wrestling teams. There was no, there's no Proctor wrestling team. I was always kind of jealous. It was like the one thing I was like, I would have done this if it mm-hmm. was around. Yeah, yeah. There was like no one to teach it. I mm-hmm. suppose mm-hmm. really anything. I was always yeah, I'm jealous of your high school sports career. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now I gotta ask you this question. You went to after uh, after high school, you went to MV for the culinary arts. Yes. What are your thoughts about going to MV? Because I'm an MV guy too, and I think MV sort of gets a bad rap sometimes. So I'm curious. To well, talk it does, about... and sometimes it gets a bad rap with the culinary program. Yeah, but, really. You know, to to those who would say that, I, I guess it is what you make of it. Um, Excellent. And, yeah, I mean, it's quite it's quite an open kind of canvas for what you want to what you want to do. I mean, I was able to um, train on you know multiple facets of the culinary industry, and luckily for me, I was able to go to work you know two jobs full time while going to school so yeah, i was sure. you know those those kind of uh those classes you're able to move around and MV's a little bit more lenient for moving your your schedule around to fit your work schedule i think with you know i was an mv guy uh primarily because i didn't really know what else to do at that mm-hmm. time i was one of that there's a big group of kids like this i think when you're getting out of high school who's just like i have people keep telling me i'm supposed to know what i want to do but i have no idea yeah. So for me, it was like, I'm just going to go take this liberal arts degree and do mm-hmm. something. I don't want to do nothing, mm-hmm. right? But uh, And then going to the long run, I went to college years later. That mm-hmm. MV diploma transfers to other colleges really right. nicely. People like that diploma, so Certainly. it was really helpful. And I'm just curious because I think you know, people look at like the, the CC at the end and they go, mm-hmm. oh, okay. But I, I loved it. You get that hands-on experience you wouldn't get other places. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I was able to do that. You know, I, I interned at a lot of local restaurants, and I actually learned every position in the restaurant, yeah. um, working at MV, and I was able to do that because of that lenient schedule. Mm. You know. Very nice. Very nice. Now, uh, I'm going to jump to this. There was probably some time from there uh, in between this. You were at the Savoy in Rome as well yep. for a while? I was there for seven plus years. Seven years? Yeah. Uh, and I just want to say this. You have it on your page, and I thought this mm-hmm. was great. You met your wife there. I did. Yeah. And uh, that's awesome. I mm-hmm. love that. And it got me thinking about this, because one of the things, and I'm sure, Vince, you have some thoughts on this, too. <laughs> Do you feel like working in this industry, in the mm-hmm. restaurant industry, in the service industry, the hospitality industry, it's sort of like you sort of get alienated from other people in other industries oh, because God, of yeah. the way you because of the way you have to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it's very insular. Like you sort of like even when I'm out, like I work now in the education field, yeah. and I still carry over a lot of like service industry yeah. like cynicism Absolutely. with me. I think yeah. sometimes. Yeah. It's hard to like meet people and know people outside of the service industry mm-hmm. sometimes. I think it's a really fascinating part of the job. Yes. <laughs> I find myself socially awkward in, in a lot of situations yeah. in that, like, you know, you're at the supermarket and you say, behind you, you know, or, you know, I'm in the kitchen <laughs> at my own house and I have a knife in my hand, sharp, you know, yeah. one of those things. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> I still carry plates like I'm a server. Like, and I right. walk out to plates and be like, what do you, oh, look at this guy. He's like, show, I'm, I'm not showing off. This is just like I'm used to doing it this way, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be cooking at my mother's house and I'm honing my blade and they're like, why are you, why are you doing that? You're about to cut a lemon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to have this question with like bands and stuff because we used to do this all the time. Like when you played in bands growing up, if you went out to see a band to a certain extent, right, you would not be able to look at the band objectively mm-hmm. because you're like, you're too close to it. So you're like, what kind of instruments are these guys playing? What kind of stuff? Does that happen to you guys when you go to like restaurants? Do you like look at other chefs and other people who are going to be like, like, wonder what they're doing back there? What's going on? Are you curious in that way? <laughs> Is he been shaking his head? <laughs> yes, yeah. But I actively try to 
kind of shut that part of my brain off. <laughs> yeah, right. so you'll never be able to kind of enjoy yourself. I mean, maybe <clears> because you're just constantly wondering about that or thinking about, you know, noticing, you know, the napkin that's on the floor, like, oh, did they do that right? Or, or, oh, this is awesome. Maybe we should incorporate this into our restaurant. You know I mean? It's, really, it's hard to get it out of your head, though, man. It's just, that's like the weird neurosis of working. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. There's times where you feel like you're almost being overly critical, so yeah. you tend to mute yourself. Yes. You tend to, like... I'm not, you know, maybe the steak's overcooked or maybe the food's cold or something. And you're, you're like, I'm not going to say anything because I'm in the business mm-hmm. and I know how difficult it is and I know how yes. it feels when that happens. My level for sending something back at a restaurant yes. is non-existent. Right. It's got to be like, <laughs> really, it's got to be cold, like yeah. ice cold. Like I can't think of something. I think raw chicken would probably, not that I order chicken when right. I go out, but I think that that's would true. probably be my, my, not that that's ever happened that's to me. It's a strong but, take, by the way. Yeah. Right. Not that I order chicken that, when I go out. I should have said that first. <laughs> No, it's it, it's it's such a weird industry. Here's the other one that I and I always I found out just recently that this is a bad one, and mm-hmm. then we'll move on from here because I have other stuff I want to talk about. But I, as a waiter, uh, when I go to restaurants now, if I'm done eating, mm-hmm. I'll stack up the plates like I'm doing them a favor. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm gonna get this stuff put on the way so they can just grab it and go. Vince loves that. It's his favorite. See, what I've been told by this is it's not good <laughs> no. because it makes the restaurant look like a big mess because the waiters aren't getting around to get the plates fast. Or, right. or yeah, or that like we look out because we have a window from our kitchen dining yeah. room and I'm just screaming at servers like, well, they stacked their plates. They're, they're bored over yeah. there because you haven't attended to your table and you probably just finished your salad and stacked it up nice. See, <laughs> in my head, as a guy who is was a waiter and like we'll always have that yep. service, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let them know this is ready. I'm not mad. I'm just doing them a favor because I yep. know I would be like, boom. Got all this at once. Let's yep. go, right? So good to know, guys. Don't do what I do. I'm gonna stop doing it now. I, I still catch myself doing it <laughs> simply because I don't want it in front of me. Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't want it yes, yeah. that's a great. Well, that's true. I'm, yeah. I got like space issues. I yeah, do sometimes. Yes, and I have one more question, JD. Before I move over to a couple more with Vince, uh, you wrote in the profile that you're into. Was it primitive camping and foraging? Oh, I love it. I so explain it. to me a little bit about this. So the, since, the naive nuance. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, since since we started this venture i haven't really been able to but i've been i've been out so many times countless times uh going out with simply nothing when you when you look at your bag um the the best way i could put it is if i'm going with a bunch of buddies and they're like did you pack your bag yet and it's like two days before and i say no no and i'll look at you know look at my bag and you know maybe five minutes before and i'll say Maybe I don't need a bag, you know. And you, you grab a <laughs> pocket God. knife, and you, you know you'll grab a, a bot, maybe water or oh, something, man. and you'll camp to, or you'll you'll hike to the top of a mountain or halfway through, and you'll stay out there overnight, maybe two nights, and uh, you you know maybe a pocket full of mixed nuts or trail mix or something. But for mm-hmm. the most part, you you'll never feel more alive. That sounds, when you're when you feel like you're gonna die, it sounds <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> it's horrifying. It's horrifying, but at the same time, it's almost like an like an esoteric, like oh, yeah. uh, almost uh, primitive urge to, yeah. to want to live sure. in a certain way, and you, you kind of puts, puts things into perspective. Let's look at romance too. I like the romantic idea. Of yes. it. it has a very like I don't, it's very epic. It's very yes. western. I love it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Vince, I got a couple things I want to talk to you about before we get into some group stuff, just because mm-hmm. I feel like uh, it's been a while. You've been on 114 episodes ago, which uh, we don't skip weeks, so that's over two years ago. Uh, besides the opening of this restaurant, any big two two things that have happened since last time you've been on that we want to talk about that we feel remiss? 
Couple things. Maybe. Couple things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, do you remember what month it was? Because potentially marriage. I, uh, was I married the last time? I have to look back. I can go back to the. I can go back to the episode. You potentially, you potentially got married. Potentially got married and the uh, the birth of my son nine months ago. Mm. Well, congratulations on that. Any advice for any uh, new new fathers out there? Anything you've learned in your first nine months? Do do it before or well after you open a new business. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's the other thing I was just gonna say. It's like wow, that's like a whole. I'm other... sure it's not easier, but yeah, that was. Oh, you know, my wife was. Working full time on the floor, and then mm. she left, and it was just a. Everybody stepped up, and we got through it, but oh, yeah. it was just it's, an added layer of stress, you know. But. It's a different <laughs> thing too, because you know, I'm I'm a I'm a single guy. I don't have any kids or anything, mm-hmm. and I do like relish the idea that when I get home from the office or like a, I got grad school classes at the moment, mm-hmm. if I get home, like I'm like, oh, I can mm-hmm. sit down for like an hour and a half. Even if my cat bothers me, like get away from me, cat! Mm-hmm. Like go it's away. My, it's yeah. my time. It's my yeah. time. Like when you. When you got that thing in your life that's bigger than you, just it's got to be such a shift in like your priorities about how you think. Yeah, about well, it. it does. It put it is it is a big shift in the in the priority. Just from from the opening mm. of the restaurant to you know till now, you know, like I don't think we were. I don't. You know, we both had children. We don't work any less. You know, we don't. I don't work any less. I don't care right. any less about the restaurant. But it is. It is my free time mm. has been restructured to make sure that <laughs> I have enough for. For him, you know, as much as possible. You're too early for like kids shows and stuff yet, right? Nine, nine yeah, Sesame Street, lots of Sesame that's okay. Street. Sesame Street's terrible. <laughs> Wait till you. I was with my niece and nephew in New York when mm-hmm. I was down there doing mm-hmm. school, and they were at two and four, spending a lot of time with them. And that's a really rough time for mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. children's entertainment. Yeah. And now it's well. Now you can just give them tablets. I think that's what they. That's what all the parents do now. Is that not? Which, I mean, we're trying not. <laughs> we're trying not to. At least to. we're trying not to. But he's already reaching for the phone. You know, he knows how he knows how phones you know work. You know. Here's the thing. I've thought about this too. Like you know, if you you want to raise the kids to like not be addicted to the technology, the tablets, and the phones, mm-hmm. and that's it's great. It's a it's a great concept. The problem is once they get out of the house mm-hmm. and they get out into school with all their other kids and all their kids have other parents and all the other parents are stupid right and all the other parents like let these kids do it and it's like well mom how come my friend is seven and has like an iphone 10 how come Mm -hmm. i don't have one and then it becomes like a thing and then it never ends and then that's the i i actually struggle with it too in another way um you know like we always focus on teaching children to read and their abcs and their numbers and like i don't want to put him behind in the fact that you know tablets phones computers like he needs to know how to use these things probably earlier than i did he doesn't touch a smartphone until he's 12 years old and he doesn't know how they work yeah yeah that could put him at that you know he could be at a severe disadvantage when it comes to the job market well, you know that's the crazy thing too is I, i'm in a course right now for for grad school stuff and for education it's like uh like literate teaching literacy mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. adolescence like how do we teach adolescents uh literacy in different disciplines across across mm-hmm. the curriculum right and one of the things, the questions you ask is like, how do you define literacy in like a digital era? Because mm-hmm. like a, a lot of kids just don't, if we think of literacy as the idea that like this kid is going to pick up a paper bound book and read it cover to cover and learn to read, that's fine too, but that's not how even a lot of adults read anymore. So right. we do, it makes me sick a little bit that mm-hmm. that sort of lifestyle is not mm-hmm. as accessible as it once was, but I think we do have to at some point in time lean in just a little bit to the idea that some that yeah. as we get closer and closer, some of these generations are going to be more digital readers than, mm-hmm. than like yeah. analog readers, I guess you could call it. So, uh, wow, I didn't even to go that far. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Uh, I just want to I want to note something else that you wrote in is in your about us page, which I was really good on the website, by the way. Whoever did your website, very nice work. It's got a really nice uh, flow with all the stuff on it. But you talked about you sort of had this vision, Vince, of a place that was people could get a burger and a beer at the bar and also get like a tasting menu on the inside. That's like a hard thing to do, though, I feel like. It's hard to find that balance between like uh, 
a place that's upscale and fancy mm-hmm. and has that comfortable vibe. What's mm-hmm. have you learned any lessons about the process in the opening? Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't think we're quite there. That's that that is the struggle of I think where we kind of fit in in the city and and what the, our vision of Modus is. I yeah. I, I think um, a lot of it the the bar helps a lot. Um, yes. How we design the bar and where we place the bar. Kind of, the thank you very much. Where we placed it, kind of front and center of the restaurant, mm-hmm. speaks to that to that gastropub mentality that sure. you know. The you know that that tasting menu crowd tends to sit at tables. That burger and beer crowd tends to sit at the bar, and so there's even though there's really no separation, it is kind of a you know kind of a quaint small dining space. Yeah. It feels kind of separate. You know, you're you're they're very different feels. You know, and we have a few different um, areas that and some good sound breaks. You know that that can really make your dining experience a little bit more private. So that how your um, how you are ordering and how you are enjoying your evening is completely not maybe not completely but very separate from somebody right, right. next to you because we you know we we we, we tried to space the tables out if, uh, a little bit more than some yeah. other restaurants you know tr- losing a seat or two just really trying well, to give people their, that that individual experience that space is really beautiful that you guys got we might as well get into it now mm-hmm. because we're going to get into it anyway you're down at 234 Genesee Street yes. um Really beautiful location. I love the again. I love the aesthetic you guys chose in general. You guys have Thank really. You. you guys have a, just knowing you guys the way I know you guys. Mm-hmm. You have an, an auteur mentality about a lot of this stuff. So it's very clear that you guys spent a lot of time looking at. How many locations did you look at? Was this like a place that just looked at? Oh, you saw four. The original. Yeah. The original place that we looked at was Seven Hopper Street. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. You're and I love you know. We I love the grand staircase. We were like, bar's gonna be on the left, dining room's on the right. And we went up to the third floor, and there was a hole in the ceiling. And we yeah. brought an architect in, and he, <laughs> yeah. he just like he threw a number out at us, and we just kind of just turned around and walked away with our heads down. Um, <laughs> a couple of places, the the realtor said, "Nah, you're good." <laughs> yeah, nah. yeah. We looked at. Um, I don't know if it's still open. Gordon's tap room that he, that was yep. for sale for a while. We yeah. we toyed around with that, um, but it just didn't seem right for us. And then this one. We found it like truly or some random website. We were yeah. just searching like two o'clock in the morning, and it, I sent it to Jeff and Emmy, and it was, uh, my wife Emmy, our other partner, and I said, "I think this is still for sale. You want to check it out? You know." And, and uh, it just seemed mm-hmm. perfect. And we knew we wanted it to be downtown, and we didn't know that we that there was going to be a space that was renovatable for our budget in downtown, right? Because this this was a functioning building it had tenants it wasn't something right right you know some of these projects that are amazing that are millions and millions of dollars we didn't have that capital to really you know was it a functioning a functioning business before you guys yes yeah it was um uh incorporated incorporated his shop over to Catherine Steen now which is a beautiful Beautiful shop by the way he still lives up joe still lives upstairs on the second floor yeah it's actually funny because i going down to handshake city with all the Mm -hmm. major stuff over the last like two months i Mm -hmm. must drive by incorporated like like four times a week five times a week and the first time I looked at it, it's in that old building, and it's got that big sort of like concrete back yeah, on it. I think it, it was a showroom for yeah. the Mazda dealership yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got like this weird sort of like, it's almost like a stucco, weird back side. And it just yeah. was incorporated. I was like, that's a kind of a utilitarian looking uh, yeah. building. It's just like there's All he kept door. saying was he needs natural light. <laughs> but then yeah. when you drive by it to the other side, it has this really like surprisingly beautiful front porch yep. that you can't see from the other side of the road. I'm like, wow, what a trick. He's like, you tricked me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yep. uh, so that location, you guys have been there how long now? Well, we've been functioning for a year. For a year. For a year. Okay. Uh, we've had the building for going on two, two. Yeah, almost. Two years. Um, and it took a long time to get to the point mm-hmm. where we could, you know, do you open. <laughs> do you feel like you're at a finished state now, or do you feel like it's always sort of in a state of, like, fluidity where you're always going to be sort of, like, changing it, revamping it, coming up with different layouts? I feel like it's it's always changing. Maybe yeah. not so much the front of the house. We've reorganized the kitchen already. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we have... Uh, 
we were lucky enough to receive one of the facade grants from the city of Utica. Nice. So our awning awesome. will be going. We have an, a beautiful retractable awning that'll be going up in uh, about six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a nice little patio with a fence, which was which is a nice fence, and we're happy with it. But you know, as as we grow and and you know save, we want to maybe make that area a little bit yeah. nicer. We can continue with con- constantly. I think see. Yeah, we'd love to utilize the rooftop eventually, whether it be for sustainable agriculture or mm. you know, you know, fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Either I way, some, I know some people with that sustainable micro greens, yes. micro, <laughs> yeah, micro greens and bees, maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> uh, I guess we should talk about it since it's probably a logical starting point, at least for me, because uh, I'm, you know, I originally met you guys when we were all working at Taylor and the Cook, yep. right? Yes. And yep. uh, did you guys know each other before you worked at Taylor, or did you guys meet nope. when you were there? We met when we were there. Very nice. Very nice. What was the first, uh, how did you guys know you'd be buddies? Like, when was the first time you were like, this guy's all right? Well, I, <laughs> dropped, I dropped a pen, and then we both reached down to pick it up at the same time, oh. and then we bumped heads, and then we felt, no, that was a movie that was <laughs> very romantic. That wasn't, that wasn't Fingers it. touched. It no, I think, nice. I think he mentioned to me one day, or I mentioned to him, you know, it's, it's our, our lifelong goal to have our own place and mm. you know the other person probably said yeah me too and then mm. um i guess privately vince uh he called me and said why don't uh, why don't you come out for a beer and i'm thinking like oh man because he was he was my boss at the time mm-hmm. something yeah. like oh he's oh, gonna no. talk to me about my performance <laughs> <laughs> my performance issues or something and then next thing you know you know he slaps his business plan on the table um and we uh Hit it off with ideas from from there on out. So Vince, did you you were probably right on the cusp of knowing you were thinking about going in your own way when you came on the show. Now I'm thinking mm-hmm. about 114, almost about two years. Might have been right on the edge. That's yep. pretty interesting. Yep. I wish I had known. See, now I'm putting it all together. <laughs> yep. uh, let me ask you this. You know, certainly, you know, I love Tim. Great guy. Uh, you want to start your own place. You don't want to do the same exact things. Mm-hmm. You want to do your own vision. You want to have mm-hmm. your own thing. Was there any sort of takeaway that you looked at Taylor and said, like, that's a good idea, I like that? Were there any sort of takeaways you saw that you thought were pretty good going forward? The, I mean, the main one is they, they were the pioneers, at least in fine dining in downtown. Sure. We, right, you know, right, that, right. That was that was something that made it, uh, that we knew we wanted to mm-hmm. do, and it, you know, was a lot, I feel like it was probably a lot easier a lot less nerve-wracking for us to open downtown because we knew that yeah. the restaurant could survive. Right. We knew there's there's a, there's maybe some things that that downtown is still working towards, but we know we knew that people would drive from outside of the city to come to downtown at least for dinner for a nicer sure. right. Mm-hmm. So we you know so it made the, the takeaway that I think the main one was that you know we knew that a restaurant could survive. Could survive right. That people were interested yes. in this higher level yes. of, mm-hmm. of that cuisine, and. Right? You know, a lot of his producers, mm-hmm. uh, we don't use all of the same producers, but it, it made it, you know, immensely easier yeah. for, for me at least to uh, to source some of these really local, fantastic mm-hmm. ingredients from, from some of these uh, farmers um, based on the relationship that we already had with them at Taylor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we use a lot more mm-hmm. different ones than we than we did before but we also use some of the same ones the, you know the jones family farm nice. we could never the let go of those chickens they're great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. well that's great that's great uh let me ask you a different question we'll go to a different side here when, yep. when you guys were working we were, we were all working together and i was like uh trying desperately not to make mistakes so you guys wouldn't <laughs> roll your eyes it really is it was really stressful for me as the waiter and i'm just i'll go i'll say it now since yeah. uh, as the waiter there and you know you guys were chefs and i respect the chef grind a lot mm-hmm. right 
my biggest like day-to-day fear when I was working at Taylor was to do something wrong and then have to come tell one of you guys or Tim that I <laughs> screwed up and that you guys would be like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was waiting. To, I did not want to get yelled at. I did not want to let you guys down. And uh-huh. I think a lot of it was because I just sort of respected how much you guys cared mm-hmm. and how much it meant to you guys. And I know that waiters, from the chef's perspective, sort of get the... Uh, Get a different, I get the side eye, especially in New York, because most of them are just actors. <laughs> so it's like it's a little different up here. But I gotta ask you: now you guys are the owners. Now you guys mm-hmm. are the top. What's mm-hmm. the biggest difference from being like the chef to being the guys on top? For, for me, it's um, in that exchange of mm-hmm. you know, you come into the kitchen and you say that you made a mistake. Yeah. As the chef, the sous chef, the chef de cuisine, I could. If I was busy or stressed, I could just say, all right, well, don't do that again and, and go back to it. Yeah. As an owner, we have to think of those moments as you know, training moments, teachable moments. We have to make sure it's more important, I think, because it's our business right. to make sure that that doesn't happen again, not just by saying don't do that again, but by actually showing, teaching, right. and, and kind of getting to the bottom of why it happened instead of just like, sure. let's get through it. You know, because mm-hmm. we're still cooking on the line every night. So, exactly. so, so in some you. in some ways, it's the same. It's all right, fine. I'll just. It doesn't matter why this didn't get fired. We just need to get this food out. Mm-hmm. But as owners, we also have to kind of find some time to to, to figure out why didn't this get fired? Yeah. How can we fix it? How can we ensure it doesn't happen again so that the restaurant mm-hmm. runs more efficiently? Because mm-hmm. well, when you're in the heat of battle, it's tough to like yeah. do that. When you're out there yeah. and it's you're in the real world, mm-hmm. the food's coming through and you got to get it out there. It's tough to be like to take two minutes and, and scold somebody. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but again, it sort of has to be done. I know enough uh, friends of mine who are, uh, let's call them mediocre waiters, who <laughs> need, need a, little, uh, need a well, little kick in the butt sometimes. And it's, you know, it's, I don't want to make it sound like we didn't care, because we, we, we very much did, and we, don't, we never, we don't, you don't ever really want to hurt somebody's feelings. Sure, but it's also sure. a morale issue, right? When you're, when you're the chef someplace, you might snap at somebody and say, well, well what the hell? <laughs> You're yeah, the exactly. owner, that's then you got to awesome. watch them go outside. You got to watch them smile, make sh- that smile on their face disappear, that hanging of yeah. the head, which is not what you want to see in your dining room. So, like, maybe holding back just a little, which I, I think I'm maybe more than Jeff. I fail at a lot. But, you know, we're just holding back a little bit more. We do have and, soundproof glass, by yes. the way, between us and the dining but they, room. Yeah. <laughs> so, what you're implying is that Vince is bad cop and you're a good cop. At times. At times. At times. <laughs> not, not always, no. We, we do switch roles every once <laughs> yes, in a while, yeah, yeah. just to keep people on their toes. <laughs> Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about, uh, well, two things that I was really, uh, I really felt like we needed to talk about. The term gastropub, I think, Mm -hmm. is a thing that people uh, don't totally, they are aware of the term, but don't understand what it means. Not yet. Yeah. So so gastropub, to me at least, is the marriage of fine food and beverage. And in Mm -hmm. our case, it showcases a lot of super local, fantastic ingredients and, um, and some of the really fantastic talent that we have in the front of the house. We have a mixologist. Well... If we're looking for a mixologist, we'll, we'll market that as mixologist rather than, you know, bartender or mm-hmm. bar manager. They are wholeheartedly a mixologist. Um, so to me, the, that marriage between the two um, makes us a gastropub. And we, we're talking about uh, um, tasting menus and that being approachable to the Burger John and that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, we're in the process of developing tasting menus that are still attractive to that Burger John. You yeah. know, as we would call it, you know, the guys that would come in yeah. and really look for that um, rib stick and kind of comfort. For sure. Yeah, but still in the form of a tasting menu while getting our, our concept across. I love the tasting menu, by the way. That was the other thing I wanted to bring up, so I'm glad you, I'm glad mm-hmm. you jumped in there, actually, because that was my next point. Uh, when I was living in New York, this was very common. Mm-hmm. Go to a restaurant, they do like a five, six, seven course tasting menu, depending on where you go and what kind mm-hmm. of restaurant it is. It's not really something 
even at Taylor, I feel like we did a lot of stuff like that. We did like the cheese boards and stuff, but isn't, mm-hmm. I love the idea of you guys doing the tasting menu. Uh, I just wonder, the tasting menu requires the customer and the person coming in to have a lot of like faith. I yes. feel like in the chef, right? Yep. You have to sort of cultivate that faith mm-hmm. over time, right? Have you mm-hmm. sort of like, have you had people who were like not willing to go in with the tasting menu initially? Absolutely. Oh, We've yeah, had tasting sure. menus where we'll get halfway into it and people will say, yeah. I'm full. You know, I I'm good. Well, that doesn't yeah. work that yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, literally yeah. just happened to us. Just or happened, yeah. they say, I don't I don't like scallops or something. We're like, well, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's on the menu. Yeah, we, do, we, do yeah. It, we do it mostly like by request at this point. Yeah. Um, but sure. a lot of it is, um, exactly. I, I, sometimes people don't even understand. Or, or somebody will, you know, you know what a tasting menu is, so you're going to do it for your four friends. Your three friends have never done it before. Sure. So they don't, you know, and then there's this disconnect between like, okay, you know, major dislikes, allergies, and so we plan this whole menu, and then there's just like, like Jeff said, I don't like scallops. Well, we, you know, we adjust on the fly. It's Can not, it's not more a big bread? deal. Yeah. Can I have more bread? Well, you're filling up. This is a seven-course meal. Like, it's not... Are you guys still do it? You, you have to like accommodate for like gluten-free vegan stuff all the time. Big time. Still constantly. Big time. Are you guys, either you guys do that kind of thing? Vegan, gluten-free? Either of you guys? I feel like I feel like none of the chefs I, I know live, are ever vegan. I live on meat. For, meat for those bread listeners out there, I just, look, <laughs> I just look down at my belly. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's funny over the years, I've had people I know who like like, I don't eat red meat anymore. I just eat, like, chicken and turkey. Like, yep. Whatever, fine. I know people who just eat fish. And I've, I've thought about mm-hmm. in the past, like, if I had to stop, mm-hmm. I could probably go as far as, like, vegetarian. I don't mm-hmm. think I could give up eggs or cheese. I, I could... I would begrudgingly give up meat if I mm-hmm. had to. Like, if I knew mm-hmm. for some... If my doctor was like, you're yes. gonna die if you eat a steak, right? right? Like, don't eat a steak. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do the vegan thing. I don't know how I'd get around all the, the no... The no eggs and cheese. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I do this thing for a living and like cooking for myself every night with the, with with the loss of the amount of ingredients. Like, yeah, it, I, we can do it, you know. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. We're, but it's it's just it, it takes away a lot of textures and yeah. flavors, and those can be re- replaced by hmm. ingredients. But to a certain it, extent, a certain like extent, yeah, yeah you know I mean, like a wonderful, you know, cheese. You know, there's so many great local cheese producers. A yeah. wonderful blue cheese. You can find some kind of flavor of approximator for that yes. in vegan cuisine, but like I'm not ready. I, I I wouldn't be willing to give up. I always heard when I was a kid that like if you made like pizza with like vegan cheese, mm-hmm. it just wouldn't melt. It doesn't melt correctly. Like, there's something about the way like the, mm-hmm. the whatever the cheese mm-hmm. replacement is mm-hmm. it doesn't work. That was the part that I. That's why I always get hung up with it. I respect the people who can do it. No, because I don't I, think I could. I don't think I could carry it on for too long. No, well, I, I, I don't quite that. understand like. There's vegan bacon. There's vegan cheese. There's vegan things that shouldn't be vegan in right. the first place. That's a good point. Now, if you're if you're a vegan <laughs> and and you don't eat those things, then why try to emulate that? You know, that's a good point too. Right. Like, I, if you want a burger, just have a burger. Right. <laughs> right. I think there's a lot of people that I respect the vegans, and there are a lot, and there are plenty of them. And there are people oh, yeah. in this area that are really committed to it you know sure like a lot of them won't eat honey because it's a bee product yeah, they won't sure. wear or use leather products it just seems so and and that's mm-hmm. almost like almost spiritual in a sense like i mean yes, they're, they're completely sure. immersed in this and, that's, committed, and i'm like. very respectful of that yeah. you know but then you have people who may be trying it as like a diet and i feel sometimes that's just an excuse for for the lack of moderation in our society think, like have a burger once a week or once every other week Don't, i saw that more gluten-free than vegan yeah now. yeah yeah because uh, there are people who have celiac disease Absolutely. and can't and can't eat gluten, right? Mm-hmm. That is a serious, serious disorder. When yeah. I used to work in restaurants, I worked at Carmine's, I guess, was the restaurant in Times Square. Yeah. I used to work there. People would be, I can't eat uh, whatever, the pasta, I want the gluten-free pasta. Okay, I also want the chicken parmesan. 
chicken parmesan's breaded. That's okay. It's fine. Then you're not. Then you're not gluten free. You just want the gluten free. Just tell me you want the gluten free yes. pasta. As long as it's vegan chicken. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, as long as it's. You just. It's so strange. Yes. I. Uh, I guess you guys can't get into this anymore because now you guys are owners. Hmm. You ever have any particularly bad customer experiences in your lifetime working in the industry that you feel you're okay to share on the air? Yeah. <laughs> well. Um, yeah, I guess. I, I like guess. how he turned right to JD. Well, <laughs> he does that. He does that. That's the good cop thing, you know. But yeah, I, I can't really disclose the you know the restaurant. But we've we've had people that were um, just downright violent about. Really? Yeah, yeah. I had a guy uh, that wanted that stood up and wanted to fight the server because the server said called him young man or something and thought he was condescending. You know, it, it was it was bad. But you know, we we've had those run-ins before. I feel like, and I've said this many times before, it's like, I don't know if you guys were like me, I, my parents were very big on uh, making us eat dinner uh, mm-hmm. together at the table when we were kids. They thought it was important. Up until my parents got divorced. Then they didn't care so much about that. But uh, up until that, you know, like, in there, my mom, after that, would always get everyone together to sort of do it. But you, when you have, like, family dinners, you have big dinners with people, you'll notice that over food and over drinks, you tend to be a bit more loquacious about the conversation, the mm-hmm. things you're willing to say. People will say things over food and over dinner that they would never say yes. in other places. And I feel like when you're like a waiter or you're in the industry, people will say things to you over food that yep. you would never you would never say anywhere else. <laughs> just go really aggressive. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I guess it's just... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that we think about it this way, but I mean, sharing a meal, eating is a, is a very in some ways, intimate relationship. Like, you don't tend to eat... Like you think about this, like, the school. We'll go back to high school, yeah, the school yeah. lunchroom. Like, who you choose to eat with... That's true. ...is it's a very, very like, can be tribal, can be cultural. It can, yeah. it, you know, it's it's can be dangerous. I mean, up until the 20th century, what you put in your mouth, you know, you had no... It could kill you. Collar, it's true. You know, you know what I mean? Really. It's true. So, it's, it's, so, trusting where your food comes from, you know, trusting who you eat with, That's mm. that was a huge... And is a huge part, I think, of like hmm. kind of our some of our instinct, our hmm. our 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 baser needs. Uh, I want to ask one more thing before we get into some lightning round questions because I, I wanted to bring it up when you guys were talking mm-hmm. about uh, having the mixologist behind the bar. Yep. Um, how's your hiring process been going? Have you been like reaching out to sort of people to do specific things? Like, did you when you have a bartender who's coming in? I don't know who, I don't know who's bartending to you at the moment. Did you are you giving them like autonomy on the bar? Or are you going with with bar stuff? Are you picking bar menus yourself as well? Are you like initially before we opened, we did. A lot of that menu development. Sure. <clears throat> and then we brought uh, Pat Zenon mm. uh, in. Uh, initially, he wanted to come in to be a part-time server, and we said, no, you're, you're a mixologist now. And he, said, <laughs> yeah. he, said, he said, okay, no problem. And, sure. uh, you know, his, his parents used to own Le Petit Maison oh, okay. in uh, sure. Waterville, so sure. it's in his blood. You know, it's one of those things. But initially, we came up with the first couple of menus and kind of slowly gave him the ordering and slowly gave him that, and now he's just killing it back out there. He's got smoke smoke drinks, smoke cocktails, and he's really elevating the bar program. Well, I guess more than anything else, I mean, it's, like, it's sort of important to hire people and sort of let them be good at what they're good at, mm-hmm. not sort yes. of like a lot, and not overmanage mm-hmm. them to a certain extent. Well, we extent find ourselves that, yeah. with that window so we can see into the into the <laughs> dining room, but we find ourselves micromanaging a little bit sometimes, sure. but it's subjective in that you kind of have to micromanage in, in our industry a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know? uh, I guess, for example, Vince and I were kind of, you know, we've got a radio. He's got a, a earpiece in, yes. so we're Classic. always busting his chops about whether it be like towels sitting on the bar that aren't neatly folded and that kind of stuff. So it, it seems, you know, it seems kind of like overbearing at times, but you know, it's our baby. So, uh, and I just wanted to point out, just because I saw it on your uh, on your, you guys are doing a an event with In Bloom Yoga on Sunday, mm-hmm. November eleventh, mm-hmm. Farm the Table brunch. 
It's really cool, uh, you know, doing the Maiden Utica thing as as I do on the <laughs> other side. I sort of, you know, it's nice to have that sort of community interaction. Is that something you guys have sort of wanted to do is sort of reach out, be more part of the community in that way? Big time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when we were really, really new, sometimes it's really hard to, you, oh, know, sure. you know, anything that, you know, we, we give is to as many Chari- charitable do- organizations that are seeking gift cards and stuff as oh, we yeah, can, yeah. but as, you know, as a new young restaurant, like it, you know, oh, yeah. sometimes there's some Takes hard minute, choices, but you know. you know, reaching out and really um, engaging with the community has been, you know, yeah. uh, we're, we're advertising in the in the Broadway Utica bill that you know we're yes. really trying to like even just seeing branch out. Yeah. What I'm saying, even just seeing like the logo somewhere mm-hmm. on the thing, yep. it, it goes a long way. It really mm-hmm. does. You wouldn't think about yep. it. <laughs> like I, I sometimes it's funny with like maybe Utica stuff. I'll walk by signs mm-hmm. and I forget we're on it. I'm like, oh yeah, I got it. Uh, I guess that's a good place to be for sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, boys, before we get to lightning round questions, just want to give people locations where they can get a hold of you. I saw your Mm -hmm. website. uh, It's modusutica.com, I want to say. And then Facebook, you guys are on Facebook. Instagram, not yet on Twitter. Maybe you are. We're not sure. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll take a look afterwards. (laughs) Uh, All right, so uh, lightning round questions. These are the same questions I pretty much ask everybody who's on the show, but because Vince has been on here before, I'm sort of going back and forth between two sets of questions. Uh, I'm going to do the serpentine style. I'm going to start with you. I'm nervous. Uh, no, no, it's very easy. Where do They're I totally... put my feet? <laughs> <laughs> you put them up on the table. Uh, all right. Real easy one to start off. J.D. Smith of Modus. When you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Well, usually it's in style of uh, Red Bull, and I shotgun it immediately. Oh, really? <laughs> and then I, I run out the door. So <laughs> I can't do the Red Bull, man. I, really, I swear to God, I can't I do try it. not to if I, if I don't have to. It gets to, it's too... I, it tastes like uh, like Pez. Mm-hmm. Something about it. It's like I, I get it like the back. It goes. I don't know. I drink like ten cups of coffee a day, so yep. it can't be any better for me. Than this. Uh, Vince, let's go over to you. Vince, what is your most awkward social situation? Uh, t- a conversation with any human. Being. Any any human. <laughs> so right now, right now, right, right this right, moment, right very, this very second. Oh, you're doing all right. You're, doing, you, you're hard on yourself, Vince. Right. I can tell already. I'm gonna stay with you for one more. Uh, and this is always an interesting question for people who seem to be doing their own thing as it is. What was your dream job as a kid? Uh, engineer. Engineer? Yeah. Very nice. Would you want to make like rockets and stuff? Uh, chemical engineer. Chemical engineer. Yeah. All right. So I was totally on. <laughs> uh, JD, I'm going to come back to you. What was your first automobile? Uh, 1992 Chevy Lumina. Great. Chevy Lumina. Is that yeah. the van? No. Uh, it was a, uh, sedan. It was a Ford sedan. sedan. It was a boat. Nice. And, uh, it broke down constantly, and it's <laughs> the best car I ever owned. <laughs> you, well, you may or may not have taken your Chevy Lumina to see it in 92. What was your first live music event? Uh, Godsmack, the oh. year 2000, Utica Memorial Auditorium. Yes! Godsmack at the on Cold, two other bands. <laughs> uh, I like it. I have not gone to a concert at the Odd in a really long time. I think they really do they do concerts at the Odd as often. Uh, I think I Alabama was, was the last one. Like, free time at the Odd. Yeah, I know. Right? Like, I know, right? <laughs> Uh, I feel like yeah, Alabama sounds kind of familiar. I think yeah, I think did. I saw that on the sign there. And... I, have to tell I saw the Goo Goo Dolls there once, really? years and years ago. Lisa Loeb opened for them, and all my friends fell in love with Lisa Loeb. They're like, oh, she's a babe. Like, yeah. Yes, she's all right. I was taking everything inside me to not sing a Goo Goo Dolls. I only know like three of them. I'm going to go back to you. Uh, Vince, your questions are harder because you've been here longer. I'm sorry about this. Uh, if you only have one condiment for the rest of your life, what would it be? Dijon mustard. Dijon, you know, you are the fourth person I think in a row when I've asked this condiment <laughs> question who's going with mustard. I didn't know that mustard was the I one. Can't get I just mustard. watched a video yesterday about a guy who makes mustard pizza. You ever seen this thing? Okay, so they make the square pizzas, like the Detroit style pizzas, in the square 
pans. Mm-hmm. He puts the layer of the dough, Dijon mustard, like Goulden's mustard, <laughs> sliced up corned beef, sauerkraut, and then just a ton of brick cheese, and then they mm-hmm. make it like that. It's called mustard pizza. I'm really, I'm, my mind is like having a hard time wrapping around it. It seems like a lot of mustard. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know why I got off track. I was thinking about that. All right. And uh, this is a harder question. What, what makes you optimistic about the future? It's a tough question. I'm kind of a pessimist by nature. I am too. I struggle with this one. Um, Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) That sounds terrible, right? Because it sounds like I'm super pessimistic. I just you might have inspired an epiphany in this man. I know. So he's going to go home. I'm going to have to think about this. Very. I like that. Thank you. You have kids now, so yes. Yeah. I mean, the 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 growth, being present for the growth. And development well, of my son. Mean, I mean, you have a kid that you can like now mold into your, your kid will be one of the good ones because because yeah. you can teach him all the good stuff. So yeah. that's always optimistic. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic uh, about the growth mm-hmm. and development of the restaurant as well. My my, my other child, right? our other kid. Mm-hmm. You know, to see where mm-hmm. we're gonna like. Well, a year ago today, I was sitting in my car on Washington Lane behind the restaurant in tears because we were like so close to opening and I was so stressed out and now it's like <laughs> oh the sun was coming up yes. and he had, hadn't gone to bed yet. <laughs> gone to bed and now it's like hey it's a lot better so I'm optimistic to see where we are at year two and see how I hugged how, him that morning <laughs> as we're leaving and I said we got one in the books and I hugged him and I said I'm sorry and he said why are you sorry I said I don't know I'm tired I want to go to bed uh, I'll give you a hard one now to compensate All right, let's do it. Uh, if you could have dinner with any person living or dead who is not your relative who would it be, and why? Oh my God, that is that is a seriously tough one. Um, well, the recent passing of of Anthony Bourdain seems to strike something in me a little bit. To want wanted to get to know him a little bit yeah. more as a writer. I read a few of his books um, and watched his show all the time. And you know, him passing just made his life and career more intriguing to me. So. so glad you said that because I always thought, you know, I, I was a waiter and I was living in New York and I was I read Kitchen Confidential when I first mm-hmm. got to New York and it was mm-hmm. like, I was like, yes, this is this guy. This mm-hmm. guy has it. And I always wondered, like, do chefs, like, at, at big-time restaurants look at this guy like, who is this? This guy thinks he's such hot shit. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think he was a different kind of guy. He was. He was less of a chef and more of a, like, a, a, a writer, a lifestyle yeah. I don't know what what you would call him. He, He's the guy that was sitting on a milk crate behind the restaurant smoking a cigarette. Yes. You know, thinking about why do I do this every day? I love know, that he guy. he understood he understood <laughs> yeah. that that aspect of, of cooking that, you know a lot of guys a lot of a lot of um chefs nowadays they're kind of uh, I guess you would look at them as prima donnas with with the, yeah. the food tattoos and the, the Mohawks and you know and yeah. everybody wants to be this modernist. It's true. you know prodigy of of, <laughs> yes. of you know modern cooking, but um, he didn't play that you know that game. Yeah, he, he sort of understood like the again we talked a little bit about tribalism, like that sort of tribal urge yeah. that food and yeah. community and it comes together. Mm-hmm. Like food is mm-hmm. not for just the people who can afford good mm-hmm. food; it's for everyone. It's like it's the one thing that the, the, the mm-hmm. whole world has in mm-hmm. common. There's very few things we all have in common mm-hmm. besides eating, yeah. mm-hmm. sleeping. I suppose <laughs> two of my favorite things. Uh, that was good. Great answer. Great answer. Uh, one more for you. This is an easier one. Uh, do you believe in ghosts? 
I do not. Do not. I do not believe Good. in ghosts. Strong. Last two people I've asked that one were wishy-washy. I like that you were committed to just no, hard no. Hard Good. no. Uh, and this is one for both of you guys, so I'll give you a chance to think about it. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show that you guys are either reading, listening to, or watching. I'm rewatching The Walking Dead from from start. From the start, are yes. you all the way? Are you like a? Are you a committed Walking Dead like every season? Have you seen uh, everything? I haven't. I'm not caught up the last two seasons. I watch them on Netflix, so okay. I'm a couple seasons behind. But I watched the first two seasons, and I started the third season, and I didn't necessarily like have a moment where mm-hmm. I was like, "This show stinks. I'm done." There was definitely a moment where I was like, "I don't know if I care who lives or dies." It again got and get, got gets right? really got really like peaks and valley. For yeah, a couple seasons. It's gonna be meandering a little bit. Yeah, yeah. like you're like, eh, these. When I when I bit when you're bit when I've been watching it on Netflix, I'll just find myself like looking on the phone for like two episodes because like nothing important hey. is happening, and then you're like, oh, this is a good episode again. There's a good <laughs> there's a good gray area for a show that you don't totally have to watch. Yeah. Sometimes I've tried to watch Westworld on HBO, and that's a show <laughs> that if you like look at your phone for two seconds, you're like, oh, I'm gone. I lost <laughs> it. It's all gone now. Uh, so it's nice to have that. Yes. Uh, same question for you. One book, album, movie, or show, JD, that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Well, I'll give you I'll give you two out of I, I you know I haven't read a book in a while so I'll be Sorry. straight up and honest about that one. <laughs> That's okay. But uh, you know, uh, Pink Floyd: The Wall nice. is probably Classic. hands down something that yeah. I always circle back to, um, and the movie as well. So you know, there's movie <laughs> yes. movie and album for you. Um, and I guess for show, I mean, this is this is strange because last time you and I had a conversation, and I think you might have even mentioned it in in your uh, your last podcast oh, with him. God. That I probably wasn't going to speak to you ever again until you watched Game of Thrones. Um, still haven't, yeah. And you still oh, haven't watched God. it, but I, I kind of, you know, I sacrificed, you know, my pride for this one and came to talk to you. <laughs> well, let me ask you this question because you're a Game of Thrones fan. Mm-hmm. I had another couple friends who are Game of Thrones guys. Are you or are you not excited for the prequel series that they're going to do for Game of Thrones on HBO? Well, Vince, Vince and I we're kind of cult followers of the show. It's always mm-hmm. sunny in Philadelphia. It's Great our show. favorite show. Love it. We're always talking about it. Mm-hmm. And our you know, the newest shows they're they're not as good. They're, yeah. they're the newest episodes are not as good. Bit. But the way we look at it is like it's still around. It's something for us to enjoy. Mm. Um, you know, if we wanna if we wanna circle back and watch some yeah. old episodes we can, but we're happy that it's still there and it's still a mm-hmm. thing. It's not going to ruin old episodes sure. for us. But it's great. if they do the prequel, if they do that that kind of stuff, it, it'll be something that I'm happy to watch. Yeah. I'm sure they'll do a great job with it. I did the Twin Peaks. I'm a big Twin Peaks mm-hmm. guy, so mm-hmm. when the they redid it on Showtime earlier this year, mm-hmm. I like I had like those seven stages of like, oh, they're gonna ruin it. Yeah. But then like David Lynch was back, and I'm like, oh, it's gonna be the greatest show ever. <laughs> and then you get to the end, and it was. It was good, right? Like I, yeah. I don't know if I should have expected anything yeah, more. We're than just it happy was. to like, watch it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, and that's that's it. That's all I got for you, boys. Again, uh, modusutica.com. JD Smith, Vincent Petronio. Thanks, so boys. Much. Congratulations. Thanks so much. Keep doing your work. Uh, I guess one more before I let you guys leave. It's been a year. How do you guys feel after a year? How does it feel? Do you guys feel like you're you're where you want to be? Is it? Is there more that you're shooting for? What What's next? Um, we're certainly where we wanted to be, which is open. <laughs> yeah, open exactly. was something that we, you know, everybody would say every day. When are you going to open? When are you going to open? That was our favorite question. We never, we never really had an answer. Yeah. We're open when we're open. It could be a month. It depends on when we get our occupancy of this inspection, that inspection, this, mm. you know, grant goes through that, you know, it's, it was a whole slew of things, but I think we're where we want to be with lots and lots more to do in the city and I, I think I think that's just 
it's endless possibilities for us here. I love it. Best of wishes. Uh, you boys don't need luck because I know you guys work real hard and uh, work <laughs> dispels worry. So excellent. Great job, boys. We'll be back to the show, folks, in just a moment. again jd smith vincent petronio good lads love talking to those boys they have good uh waiter or uh chef's gear they came in in their full mm-hmm. chef's kit i like their logo they have over there at modus too all right i'm very tired and i have a lot of work to do so i'm gonna try and go fast through this last section <coughs> i promise even our first section was shorter than usual told you all right on this day 1926 henry ford announced the eight hour Five-day work week. So if you want to know why we do the five days a week, uh, eight hours a day, go back to 1926. Henry Ford. Uh, His decision to reduce the work week from six to five days had originally been made in 1922. Uh, Every man needs more than one day a week for rest and recreation, Ford said. The Ford Company always has sought to promote an ideal home life for its employees. We believe that in order to live properly, every man should have more time to spend with his family. Uh, the other side of that, though, in reality, is that a five-day work week also instituted the order to increase productivity. So, like, people work more productively when you have to condense your work into five days as opposed to over six. Uh, I've talked about it before. I'm kind of ready for the four-day, ten-hour work week. I'm, I'm ready for the three-day weekend as a regular thing that exists. Mm, I think we could. Nice. I think we could make that change. I think most people would be okay with it. If you could just... I'll take those extra two hours a day if you give me an extra day off. I think it's worth it. Uh, on this day, 19... 19- 52 American fast food restaurant chain KFC opened its first franchise in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, do you know that the Colonel is actually a real Colonel? He was recommissioned in 1950. Oh, there you go. He's not just a cartoon. He's not just a character on television or just a person played by 9,000 other actors. He actually started wearing the outfit as like a joke. Uh, and then as time went on, apparently, people say it, it became much more earnest <laughs> and he just started wearing it every day. Um, they actually changed the name from Kentucky Fried Chicken to KFC a few years ago. But I think it's interesting that when they first opened the restaurant, uh, because it was in Salt Lake, the word Kentucky was added to make sure that it had like an image of being exotic. Like the word Kentucky was exotic in Salt Lake. Mm. They're like, oh, it's got like a southern hospitality kind of vibe. I wonder if it would have made it if it didn't, if it was never Kentucky. It was just called fried chicken? Yeah. Salt Lake fried chicken? I don't think it would have made it. Salty fried chicken. I actually, Kevin and I have talked about this in the past. I actually think that Popeye's is better than KFC. I've never been Oh, there's no question. There's no question, question. you say? Especially you get the spicy, the spicy breading. I like KFC. Yeah. Uh, All right. Moving on, 1991. On this day, Shiny Happy People by the band R.E.M., Peaks at number 10. Um, appeared on their 1991 album, Out of Time. It was released the same, uh, as a single the same year. It featured guest vocals by Kate Pearson of the B-52s from the mm. song Rock Lobster, if anyone remembers that one. Uh, it was the fourth and last R.E.M. single to reach the top 10 on the charts. 
It peaked at number six in the UK, becoming the first REM song to reach the top ten in the UK and the only one to reach the top ten in both countries. Uh, weirdly, they don't really like this song. Uh, the band members were ambivalent about it being known for uh, pop, as a pop song that lacked gravitas. Uh, Michael Stipe called it a fruity pop song written for children. It just is what it is in 2006. He also said if there was one song that was sent to outer space to represent R.E.M. for the rest of time, I just want it to not be Shiny Happy People. I think that's kind of harsh. I think that song gets a bad rap. I like Shiny Happy People. I also think R.E.M. is kind of underrated. Like, a little bit underappreciated. Like, no one really talks about them as, like, uh, as, like, an important 90s band, I feel like. I think they just blend it in. Yeah, kind of blend it in. They had big hits, though. Like, Losing My Religion is, like, a huge hit. I think people who talk about alternative music um, cite them as one of the progenitors and forebears of, like, modern indie and acoustic, not indie and alternative music and stuff like that. Uh, Within their genre, I think they're well-praised, but I think the people at large probably don't realize how much of an influence they had over some of the stuff that's become popular since. I don't think this is the best R.E.M. song, mind you. Uh, I don't think it's... As bad as with the credits getting here, it sort of goes back and forth. In 2006, uh, CBC Radio called it like the night, like the song of the summer. Uh, in 2006, it also received the number one position on AOL's music list for like the 101 wussiest songs of all time. So it kind of like there's a lot of like, I don't know. I feel like if you have a problem with the song being wussy, you have a different problem. I was gonna say, <laughs> just one who has that category. <laughs> just. Uh, this day, 1996. The Nintendo 64 video game system debuted in the United States. It only had two games to speak of. One was Super Mario Brothers 64, which is one of the greatest video games of all time. Can you mm-hmm. name the other game, either of you guys? For what? For, For Nintendo 64, the launch titles. Is that like Road Rash, one of them? That's pretty good, too. No, Road Rash is close. Great. No, I that's good. good. <laughs> I imagine some sort of Zelda type thing. It's a game called Pilot Wings 64. Oh, I, I didn't know what it was either. We played all the time. I was curious. <laughs> Uh, suggested retail price at launch was $199, and 32.9 million units were sold. Uh, it was What was cool about that system was it was released in all sorts of different colors. Like, you get, like, a green one or a purple one. or a, like a, That doesn't seem like a big deal. But it but was then. In, the, in 96, it was cool if you had that. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, it was named the ninth greatest video game console of all time. Although, in 1996, Time Magazine called it the Machine of the Year saying that it had done more to video games than the 707 did for air travel. I think that's kind of, that's that seems superfluous. Uh, rescuing the industry from a dustbin of entertainment history was the N64. I Look, I liked the Nintendo 64. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it saved the industry. Do you have any thoughts about Nintendo 64? I didn't have one, so I'm kind of like on the outs on it. It had more buttons. It did have too many buttons on the controller. It had an outrageous controller. Nintendo 64 was the first time where I started to think, hey, maybe video games aren't for me. Really? Actually, Interesting. Yeah. Nintendo 64 was the first system where I was like, like I remember, because I didn't have one and somebody had, like I was using the controller and it had the joystick yes. and it had like the three different parts, the buttons yes. underneath and the games are yeah. like choppy in 360 degrees. I'm like, I don't, this isn't, no, I don't, I just, That's exactly I don't want to do felt. this. Like yeah. this isn't fun. I'm not yeah. really into it. And that was when I first sort of diverged off from a lot of my friends in the neighborhood growing up playing video games where, like, we'd play Sega, we'd play Nintendo a little bit on certain days and we weren't, like, outside or doing whatever. But, yeah, N64 was the first one where I was kind of like, as isn't for me. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't have an N64, and then years later, I borrowed, like, a friend of mine's. He's like, here, take it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I played it for a couple weeks at my house. It It's 
it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just fine. Uh, Sony is releasing... You know how Nintendo had those Nintendo classics, little tiny Nintendo, mm-hmm. little Super Nintendo that had the games? Sony's doing that now, too. So now I just assume that every video game company will do this. They'll all release like their own little mini classic. Hopefully that just means all those like PlayStation games start coming on the emulators. Yes. I'm into that, for yeah. sure. Uh, and then, just because we're a pretty Apple-centric podcast, I brought this one on here. On this day, <laughs> 2008... The HTC Dream was released, the first ever phone uh, to use Android operating system. Uh, Kev, you're the Android guy of the group, I suppose. Sure. <laughs> well, I say because whenever you don't, you're the only person here without an iPhone. I suppose. Did you have an iPhone at one point in time? Yeah, I had a 4S. Was there a moment when you were like, nah, or did you just like go to the store and get a new phone? And was it like I had um, my first smartphone was an HTC. It was an HTC Incredible, um, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I had the 4S. Then I went back to an Android operating system with Samsung. And now I don't really see myself leaving Samsung unless somebody does something different. Sure. Um, I would look at HTCs, but they've sort of fallen behind a little bit as Samsung's become mm-hmm. the emerging market in non-iPhone. But yeah, no, even when I had the when I had the, the 4S, I got it because I had the Incredible and I'd broken it. Somebody gave me a really good deal. They had just upgraded to a 5, and yeah, they had just yeah. got a replacement for us. Like, I'll give this to you for, like, $100. I needed a phone, so I'm like, I'll take it. And I had it, but once my contract was up, I went back and didn't really look back on it. HTC, uh, the HTC Dream was released to mostly positive reception. Uh, it was praised for its solid and robust hardware design. Uh, the introduction of the Android operating system was met with criticism for its lack of certain functionality and third-party software in comparison to more established platforms. Uh, but it was still considered to be innovative due to its open nature, notification systems, and heavy integration with Google services. I wonder if there will be, like, a third option. That's I was really hoping that that Google phone was going to be cool, and it just wasn't really. Like It's going to be hard to keep up with the two of them. A lot of people said that phone was cool, though. I heard it gets better the more you use it. It's, like, one of those phones that, like, it sort of, like, learns the things that you use it for. It's, like, weird. It's, like, an adaptive in the way that, like... Interested. No, not really? <laughs> no. I don't know. When I went to the store and looked it up, it felt very... When I, when I went to get my new phone, I, like, picked it up and played with it. It felt very, like, chintzy. And it might just be because it was, like, the first one. I don't know. It didn't... I don't know. It didn't do it for me. I was. I wanted it to, as well. I really wanted it to be, like, the one. But I don't yeah, know. It's, I mean, it takes time to switch from one to the other just because the, the technology, specifically the Apple technology on the smartphones, is made to keep you very insular. It's by design that yeah. it makes it a little bit tougher to go over and switch. So it's not always just... The pickups, I remember when I first got the iPhone, it was kind of weird changing and then going back to it. Now people laugh at me, but like somebody will hand me their iPhone and I'll have to like hit back. I'll be like, how do you go back? Yeah. Oh, he and people are like, oh yeah, S- come S- on. I'm like, I, there's no button, there's no anything. He did it with mine last week. There's like, no indication. Like, this like, isn't. And then uh, we talk about him all the time, so I'm not going to go very far, but uh, happy 71st birthday to Stephen King. It's your birthday. Hey. So there you go. Sorry I creeped you out at that restaurant a couple years back. He's my My bad. I did. I told that story before. Oh, I, uh, I'll tell it to you off the air if you don't remember it, but I've, I've told that story many times. I will say, he's kind of on the up right now. Stephen King, all of a sudden, like his, I feel Doing like, great. all of a sudden, like, it was a big deal. Second It's coming out. It's already, like, uh, already cast. Castle Rock's a thing that people are watching. He's got, like, a new book that was out that seems pretty good. I'm into it. Good for him. 71. Doing more than most people do. Yeah. Uh, when they're not retired. All right. I have a few more stories. Uh, although I gotta tell you, I'm feeling more and more tired as I get through this, so I'm I'm not looking forward to any of it. Uh, I have a story out of Florida. You guys ready for a Florida story? 
Hit me with it. Uh, oh, I take it back. It's Texas. So okay. there you go. Texas. We're changing it up. Uh, the mayor of Livingston is taking community protection into her own hands. Uh, Texas mayor Judy P. Cochran managed to kill a 12-foot, 580-pound alligator with just one shot last Sunday at her ranch in Goodrich, Texas. Wow. Uh, the hunt took place in the same pond that her five-year-old grandson had killed an alligator in 2009. Jesus. She is a great-grandmother. Uh, she killed this gator with one shot, and it, she is the mayor of Livingston, Texas. I feel like if you're talking about like living your best life... Kinda, yeah, 100%. Kinda, she, I would like it better if they made her the mayor because she shot this alligator. <laughs> That's she true. she shot the alligator, yeah. then you're like, all right, well, you're the mayor now because yeah, you killed this alligator. Done. Uh, all right. Uh, prison officials this week uh, discovered almost $18 million worth of cocaine hidden in a shipment of bananas donated to a jail in Texas. Again, I should have made this the Texas Wait, news they segment. Did what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, staff at the uh, the Wayne Scott unit uh, in 50, so- 50 miles south of Houston found the drugs. Uh, again, $18 million worth of cocaine while unloading boxes of fruit, which had arrived from Ports of America in Freeport, 32 miles south of the facility. I mean, I feel like that's... That's a lot. That's a lot of cocaine. <laughs> and I feel like to... If I'm reading this correctly, they opened up, like, the bananas and, like, replaced the insides with cocaine. That's a lot of work. That's pretty industrious. Yeah, that's what they gotta do. Yeah, but still. Cocaine traffickers. (laughs) I don't... prison. Yeah, do you mean to tell me there's drugs in the prisons? I simply will not believe it. I don't believe it. What do you mean? Of course they're shipping cocaine to prison. Um, all right, and, uh, what else did I have here? I had one more. Oh, uh, earlier this week... Uh, well, I, I'm not even going to do it. Apparently, people in Germany had tried to crowdfund an art installation to rebuild the Berlin Wall, <laughs> and uh, the government shut it down, of saying, course. now we're good. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. So, good call on that one, uh, Germany. I know it's art, but still. Um, <laughs> all right, very quickly, I have, um, Heather, I know you're probably disappointed by this, a quick FTL sports segment, because we had a bunch of weird sports-related stuff this week that I wanted to talk about in the news. FTL Sports was our old sports podcast. So a little oh. quick FTL Sports uh, check-in. I'm good. Uh, it's I'm finally good. official. There's been a lot of conversation about it over the years, but now it is a reality. Space Jam 2 is happening oh, I heard that. with LeBron James in the role of Michael Jordan. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are either of you for Space Jam 2? I'm good, thanks. You're not excited? I'm good. Don't care. You don't care. Kevin, are you excited for Space Jam 2? I am excited for LeBron uh, splashing his money and gravitas all over Los Angeles and Hollywood. And I am excited about the fact that theoretically, if you paid Kevin Durant a whole bunch of money to be in Space Jam 2, he might be amenable to taking a pay cut in the upcoming offseason. That's a great point. Uh, I'll throw a couple things out here for you. Um, I think it's, I'm very excited because Ryan Coogler is attached. I don't know if you know who Ryan Coogler is. He yeah. did Black Panther. He did Creed. Uh, big fan Station. of Coogler, Fruitvale mm-hmm. Station. So, if you attach Coogler to anything, I'm probably a little more interested. Now, the fact that Coogler's in it means that Michael B. Jordan will probably have some sort of role in it, maybe as a villain, because he seems pretty good at playing a villain. That'd be pretty dope. If he's not the villain, LeVar Ball. Good choice to be the villain. I could be into that. Um, I don't know who should be on the, like, who the new Monstars should be. I'm trying to think of who the most hated basketball... LeBron oh, should take... Technically... it wasn't hated basketball players before. No, it was just the best just basketball, basketball players. It was the best they could get under contract. Under contract. <laughs> That's yeah. a great point. Uh, all right, so there you go. Uh, the other one, 
the Super Bowl has announced their band who is playing halftime this year. It's Maroon 5. What are your thoughts on Maroon 5 as the Super Bowl halftime band? I, mean, Makes I don't sense. hate them, but they're boring. Nice safe choice for them. That's in line with what Super I'm... Bowl times like to do. I don't know. I feel I like... Everybody's going to whine up on there and say <laughs> It's going to be whining. I, I'd like to hear them play like their old songs. That's like cool. if they play like... Uh, what... they'll, play, they'll play the like two, two or three of the old songs. Two of the old songs. You know. I, I think all this shows to me is that Maroon 5 is way more popular than I give them credit for. I had no idea. I don't think popular. you're realizing the fact that they've had like a number one single like every year for the last 10 years. Yeah, because I don't recognize you know I mean? it as yeah. them. Like I hear the yeah, song yeah. and I don't even know it's them sometimes. And I, I know that they've been putting out music that's popular and I'm sure that when they get up there and they play all the songs, I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Well, they've, be, they've, become, there, they've become one of those bands where it's like a... It's kind of a pop band. Like when you listen to it, it's a pop track with with Adam Levine singing, mm-hmm. and like I'm sure they go and play it. But like there's a lot of extra production. It's not like where it's you know two guitars and a bass and a drummer and the keyboard player and this is it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and last but not least, uh, I have two. I just wrote down Tiger Woods slash Tom Brady. Uh, Tiger Woods won his first major in or not his first tournament in nine years yesterday. We actually watched some of it. People were really excited for Tiger Woods. Like, I'm shocked by how many people are, like, just so gassed up for Tiger. People love Tiger. Well, I think a lot of people who've liked him or want yeah. to see him succeed. People and pull very heavily for Tiger. <laughs> Maybe I'm confused. I thought last time we checked in that people hated Tiger. No. Weren't people, people like, mad Tiger. at Tiger? I think like if they did, you know, people always get mad at people. That on, happened. Yeah. I, and, I just, and I know that people love the redemption story. Like, the fact that he's come back from, like, these injuries and all this stuff that's yeah. been going on in his life. I guess... I guess I didn't realize how much the public perception had turned back to be like, like, yeah, they only yeah, hated, Tiger. They only hated him for a little while, but now it's almost quaint. Like he's never like, okay. Yeah, you cheated on your wife and she swung a golf club at you. You know what I mean? Like, I, okay, yeah. Mm. Well, I thought it was it was it was a little anticlimactic actually because he was winning by so much by the time we watched it. It wasn't like it was it was cool to watch the people getting gassed up in the crowd. That was sure. it. And then uh, I don't know Tom Brady he lost yesterday. We watched it. The Patriots done. Heather, what do you got? I don't have anything. I'm on a fantasy football team, though, and I'm winning. Who's your best player? Uh, Name one player on your fantasy football team without looking at it. I don't know. Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson. And I put him back in this year because, and he's doing really well. I got, like, 24 points in one game from him. It was really good. That sounds good. I love it. That's all I got for you guys in football. All right. Kev, Tom Brady, done? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Um... Do, if if by done, do you mean do I think this is the last time I'll have to hear about Tom Brady? Because I'll tell you, I think the answer is no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care football. All right, very good. Uh, that's really all I have for this week. Uh, I did initially want to read, uh, last week we talked about the FEMA texts that were going to get sent out on Thursday that never got mm-hmm. sent out, the texts from the president, oh. where we talked about that. Um, I did have a whole segment of fake tweets that people had sent in. Uh, which were fake emergency things, which is like... Can you read a couple? You want a couple? I wasn't just sure if you couple. wanted a couple. Just a couple. The terrific... Oh, dear, the voice. <laughs> I like you. The terrific the Ainsley Einhardt is not on Fox and Friends right now. Please contact authorities if you know her whereabouts. <laughs> Update, she's on vacation. We'll be back next week. <laughs> Love her. Flood warning. Failing New York Times is a massive hurricane of lies. Disgusting. <laughs> that one's actually... <laughs> I like that one. Uh, <laughs> here's a good one. Uh... Evacuation. Non-citizens should evacuate this country immediately. <laughs> this is embarrassing. I could, I could Again, see I, I've said it a million times. If I didn't 
like feel like he was like making our country worse every second that he was here. He's objectively like it's he's comedy gold objectively if he wasn't so terrible. What a weird world we live in. All right, that's it folks. Uh thanks again to JD Smith and Vincent Petronio of Modus for joining us. Great dudes. Check them out modusutica.com, Facebook, Instagram. Follow Heather uh Heather Waz1 on Twitter. She's the best. You know it. I know it. Uh, follow Kevin or his brother. Follow um, my brother. Follow his brother. Big underscore soul underscore ink. Follow Kev too. <laughs> it's good to follow people you like. Uh, don't follow me. Just follow the Uticast at Uticast. We are on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, uh, Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're taking over the Not the handshake city this weekend for the book jam. Yes, that's right. Book jam. Bring yeah. your books. We love books. 12 to 4. Another beautiful weekend at Handshake City. I cannot wait. Gassed up. To the max. Uh, Sign our humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. We will see you next week for 171.